our reading, verse 26, Luke chapter 1. The title of the message today is The Announcement. Verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Over 350 times in the Old Testament, we hear of the coming Messiah. The prophecies surrounding the arrival of Jesus far outweigh any other prophecy in Scripture. God was indeed excited for the day that His Son will enter into our world. And it, of course, is a special time to celebrate each and every year. I don't know about you, but Christmas is by far my favorite holiday. And the only rival to it is, of course, Easter, which is, I would say, just as important. But Christmas, we've allowed to often be about other things, about presents or family gatherings. And all those things are are great. But I want to remind us this morning, as we get into this small series on the advent of Jesus Christ, that that, that word advent is Latin and it, it, it's from a Latin word and it means coming, the arrival of. Christmas is not about presence, but about His presence. And today we're going to unpack the announcement of His birth. The announcement of His birth. I want you to notice with me a, a supernatural visit. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a insignificant location on the backside of Galilee, a, a city called Nazareth. And the Bible is clear that, of course, Gabriel was the messenger of, of God chosen to bring the good news to Mary. Now, in Scripture, we only see that there are four angels that are named. Gabriel being one of them, he's the messenger angel. He twice was sent to Daniel in the Old Testament with a message, and 
just six months prior to this event here in Luke, he was sent to Zacharias while he was in the temple performing his duties. And he gave him the news that his wife, Elizabeth, who had been barren and now up in years, would would conceive a son and his name would be John. And he'd be the forerunner uh, of Christ. He'd be the one who would prepare the way for Jesus. And, and so now we see the fourth time that uh, Gabriel would bring a message. But the other angels in Scripture, if you're interested, that are named, the, the other is Michael. He's the archangel. He's referred to as one of the chief of the angels, a chief prince. Uh, he's known as a warrior. He's seen in battle in Scripture. And then we know Lucifer, the devil. He's the other one of the other named uh, angelic beings. And we know, of course, he has fallen in his nature and he is now come to kill, steal, and destroy. And, but he has a uh, expected end. He has a day of judgment coming. Aren't you thankful for that? And then we see Apollyon. Um, he's a fallen angel. He's given a name in Revelation. And I hope Pastor does do a series in Revelation. There's so much there. And uh, But Apollyon, he's uh, seen as one of, of, of the rulers of the bottomless pit and, and that God will use him as an instrument of judgment in the end times. And how many of you guys feel like we're in the end times? <laughs> you guys see the Euphrates River and things that are you know, prophesied and, and it's getting real out there, right? But I want to just remind us God is in control. Everything is on his divine calendar, as was this announcement Gabriel came. Gabriel had revealed to Zacharias that he, he was one who stood in the presence of God. And, and God, of course, sent him to Nazareth of all places. Now, at least he had some variety in his assignments. He went to an old man pre- previously, Zacharias, and now he would speak with young Mary. He, he went to a priest, of course, in Zacharias, but now he's going to speak to a descendant of David, the king. He was in the temple when he talked to Zacharias, but now he's in a common home in Galilee. And he was in Jerusalem there, of course, when he was with Zacharias, but now he's in the backside of the desert uh, in Nazareth. Zacharias' response was that of unbelief. That's why, of course, his voice was taken from him. But we're going to see later on that Mary, she responded in faith. She believed the word that God sent through Gabriel. And I want to encourage us to, we're going to see a lot about Mary that I think we all should emulate. Mary believed God's word. She had faith in his prophecy. And so this is the first time in Scripture that Nazareth, the city, is mentioned in the Old or the New Testaments. It's because it was significantly unremarkable. (laughs) Remember what Nathaniel said when they said, hey, come to see the Messiah. He said, could any good thing come from Nazareth? I make fun of, you know, Galilee. I say it's like Lake Los Angeles, you know. It's like <laughs> my years spent out there, you know, walking those mean streets and fighting off dogs and, and you know, wondering, you know, you know, is there a meth lab at this door, you know. <laughs> but Nazareth was, of course, a hole-in-the-wall place, and it wouldn't mention not even by Joseph, Josephus and his writings. and But God had a plan. He had someone there. You see, it's not, I think, 
geogra- the geographic location of a place that God takes notice of. What God takes notice of is the people there who love him. And there was a young woman by the name of Mary there who loved God. She was a young woman. Some estimate maybe a teenager, early 20s at this point. But what do we know about Mary? Mary, she was, of course, a Jew from the tribe of Judah, a descendant of David. And we know that she was pure. She was pure. She was a virgin. And she was engaged. Um, she was betrothed, the Bible says, to a carpenter by the name of Joseph. Now, in this culture, in Jewish culture, there were three stages to a wedding. There was first the engagement. It was a formal agreement made by the father. So you guys have heard of arranged marriages, right? I believe in that. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble up here. Arranged marriage. <laughs> it's biblical, right? Those dads in here, girl dads. How many girl dads are in here? Yeah, a lot of us, right? You say, hey, let's bring that back. And the dowry part, too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She was engaged, but they, this was a formal agreement by the parents. But then a step further into that is the betrothal period. The ceremony is where they would make promises that this is this is indeed what we are are committing to. So it's a step further than engagement and and so at that point the the, the groom or to be would go off and he'd he'd work and he'd prepare and he'd he'd one day he'd show up unexpected, sometimes approximately around a year later, and that bride had to be ready. For when that bridegroom showed up and then there would be the consummation of that marriage and it would be a big party. Sometimes it would be a week or two weeks depending on the wealth of the family. You guys know that the bridegroom is coming for his bride, right? And we should be ready. We shouldn't be in bed with the world. We should be a pure bride set apart like, like Mary was a pure vessel. And uh, there's a lot of parallels here. I won't, I won't take all the time to unpack them, but so there were those stages of the marriage. And so Mary was in the betrothal with Joseph, and we, of course, learn of Joseph, and he was a good man. Of course, these, the news that she will soon get would, would, would be the scandal of the city. Mary is with child, and she is betrothed to Joseph. And, and uh, but we know the Scripture reveals that Joseph, he pondered these things when he heard the news later. And he, he, was, he was a good man because he could have made a public display of Mary. But he decided even before God revealed to him that that child that she was carrying was his child, was the, was the, was the, the God man incarnated. And he said he was going to do so. He was going to put Joseph's plan was to put her away privately. And I want to just encourage us men, we should want to be more like Joseph. Be a man who's kind. Even when Joseph, you would imagine Joseph was, was deeply wounded. Joseph, you know, could you imagine his soon-to-be wife and all the thoughts that were going through his head? But still, he was he was going to be gracious to Mary. But they were, of course, in that stage of betrothal. 
I studied uh, Mary's name. It's very common, of course, in that day. We, we find many Marys in Scripture. The name Mary is a Greek form of the Hebrew name Miriam, the sister of Moses. It means exalted one. And this was, of course, a fitting description of the soon-to-be soon mother of the Messiah. See, when it comes to Mary, people tend to go to two extremes, though. Either they magnify her like the Catholic Church would, and, and they, they believe that she's a co-redemptor with Christ, and that you have to go through Mary to get to Jesus. And we, of course, don't see that in Scripture. They exalt her, and that's not to be done to a level that they do. But the other end of that is that people ignore her and fail to give her the esteem and the respect I believe that she deserves. You see, Mary was a woman of God. We're going to see in just a moment that the angel said, you're highly favored. You're special, Mary, young woman. You, you, you have a heart for God. You're not perfect, Mary. You need the Savior. You're going to, the Savior that you will deliver will soon deliver you. But I want you to understand, Mary, that God sees your life. He sees you even in Nazareth of Galilee. He sees how you're living and, and He is pleased with you, uh, Mary. And I want you to just, just internalize that this morning, church family. You may be on the back end of this desert in, in Lake LA or in Lancaster somewhere or Leona Valley, wherever you live, wherever you lay your head, God is watching. He knows who loves Him. He knows who serves Him. He knows who has a heart for Him. It's important. Who are we when seemingly no one is around? Do we love God? So we see this arrival, this 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 uh, this announcement that's going to come, it comes from a supernatural source, from an insignificant location. But I want you to see this greeting that Gabriel gives to Mary. Look at verse 28. It says, And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. This is what Gabriel said to Mary. That she was highly favored. That the Lord was with her and that she was blessed. Oh, to be truthful, this is what we all can say if we are in Christ today. If you know Christ today, you too can say that you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. He lives within you and me if we're in Christ. And we are blessed. The goodness of God is over our lives. Gabriel, he greets her with this high salutation. He gives her this formal greeting that um, we'll see. It kind of caught Mary off guard. Look what verse 29 says. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Now, when an angel would appear uh, before men in the Bible, they would often, uh, of course, take on the form of a man. And, uh, of course, his, his appearance in that room would have been startling. And no, no doubt, um, it would have caught Mary off guard. But then when she heard him speak, because of her humility, she could not believe that Gabriel was addressing her. Some of you, you would, you would say, yeah, that's me. I'm highly favored, blessed. 
by the best and, you know, all these other things. You would have been, you'd have been like, yeah, add to that, you know. And, um, but Mary, she truly was humble. She said, what manner of salutation is that to, to little me? I've learned this. You can, you can get too big for God to use, but you can't get too little for God to use. We can get on our high horses, and I'm telling you, think that we're something. Think that we've arrived. And, and God resists the proud, but he giveth more grace to the humble. And I want to encourage us to stay uh, in, in that, that position of humility. Stay humbling ourselves. I, 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 I have to do this in my life because I'm a man who struggles with pride and Oftentimes, I have to humble myself I, and just know it's only by the grace of God that I am what I am, that I'm still standing. I know where God has brought me from. So Mary, she, she was troubled at a saying, and she, she showed great humility. Why such extravagant words thrown towards me? Well, uh, she, she truthfully uh, did not think more highly of herself than she should have, but Gabriel and heaven knew who this little maiden was. Heaven was aware of who Mary was. And God was taking notes. And as I said earlier, we should be concerned with what God knows about us more than what others think about us. Gabriel's greeting. But I want you to see the Messiah announced. Look at verse 30. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. I want you to notice that first verse. Gabriel reiterates the fact that Mary has found favor with God, that she's uh, highly favored, and that she would conceive in her womb a son. A son. See, this was, was, of course, prophetic. This was uh, what Isaiah had prophesied uh, many hundred years prior, that a virgin would conceive and that that seed would be Emmanuel, God with us. So he's giving this prophetic word to her and, and he's announcing the Messiah. He said, a son would be given to you and you shall call his name Jesus. That name Jesus was a common name in that day as well. It's a derivative from Joshua, but it meant Jehovah saves. It meant Savior. He was born to save us. And this is the, 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 the importance of Advent. This is why we celebrate. This is why I'm intentional not to talk much about Santa. I'm not trying to convict most of you in here. If you take your kids and we get a picture with Santa, more power to you. I don't have a problem with that. However, I tell my kids, the only fat man that's bringing you gifts is me. <laughs> and my kids probably have ruined some of your kids' Christmas over there in CM. When they said, my dad says, there is, there, Santa's not coming down anybody's chimney and my kids, I, I don't tell them that so they can rain on other people's parades. <laughs> However, it's about Jesus. It's about Him. It's only about Him. The Son will be unlike any other. 
before or after him. As I mentioned before, there are, there are hundreds of prophecies concerning the Messiah all throughout the Old Testament and his coming. He would be unmistakably identified as the Son of God. Look at what verse 32 says. He will be great. I want you to understand this. He's great, isn't he? We throw that word around a lot today. This person is great at this. He's great and great. But truthfully, there is only one who is truly great in all aspects of the word. No one has influenced history like Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Spurgeon said this, it is not proven, is it not proven that he is great? Conquerors are great, and he is the greatest of them all. Deliverers are great, and He is the greatest of them all. Liberators are great, and He is the greatest of them all. Saviors are great, and He is the greatest of them all. This Jesus, He will be great. He is the greatest man of all history. Why do we call the first century the first century? There were many centuries before it, right? It's because something happened when He entered into the world. All time, space, have to bow in authority to Him. He is great. He is the God-man. There is no one like Him this morning. He's the greatest man in history. He had no servants, yet they called Him Master. He had no degree, yet they called Him Teacher. He had no medicines, yet they called Him Healer. He had no army, yet they feared Him. He won no military battles, yet He conquered the world. He didn't live in a castle, yet they called Him Lord. He ruled no nations, yet they called Him King. He committed no crime, yet they crucified Him. He was buried in a tomb, yet He lives today. Amen? The greatest man. He shall be great. When Gabriel said those words, it was an understatement. He would be the greatest of all time. He would have the throne of his father, David. God had promised his servant, David, who had his heart. He said, from your line, there will be one who will sit on the throne perpetually, forever. Who could stay on the throne? You see, we all are finite, aren't we? We all have a shelf life. We all have a, a time where we will pass away. So who is it that in Second Samuel 7 that God was prophesying? He was, of course, prophesying His Son Jesus that He would reign forever on the throne of David. And in His kingdom, there would truly be no end. And I know right now it may not seem like He's reigning in this world with all the chaos and with all the wickedness on the on the rise but I want to just remind us this word is as true as it was then as it is today he is ruling and one day he will literally rule on this earth from Jerusalem I believe it don't you believe it amen the throne of his father David he's called the root and the branch of David He's from the lion. He's the lion from the tribe of Judah. And, and this is what the angel is, of course, uh, telling Mary this. Talk about a lot to, to handle, right? <laughs> this young woman. And this is reminding me, too, that God, he's no respecter of persons. He will use a young woman. This is why I don't try to ever stifle young people. Teens on fire for God. You know, there's many uh, teenagers who have changed the world, who have been used by God to to impact uh, uh, generations. And I just want to encourage some of you young people today. 
uh, learn from Mary, learn from her example, learn from her testimony, learn from the fact that she had a heart for God. And it wasn't because mama made her or daddy told her. It was because she had a relationship with him. God can use that. So you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. Mary knew exactly what the angel Gabriel was talking about. She knew the word of God, I truly believe. She knew Isaiah's prophecy that a virgin would conceive. She knew that this would not just be any other baby at this point. This would be God's son. Oh, Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 9 and 6. He says, For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David over his kingdom to order to establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. See, the angel was telling her that he would be uh, the ruler of all. He'd be the perfect leader. He'd be wonderful. He, he, he'd perform miracles. We've been going through the Gospel of John and we've seen the miracles that Jesus did and, and how he uh, was unprecedented in some of the miracles that he did. He would be wonderful, but he'd also be counselor. He'll have all the answers to humanity. He'll, he'll know all of life's most important questions and, and how to answer them. And if you're here this morning and, and you're in an existential crisis and you're wondering why you're here and what your purpose is and all the answers that many of us struggle with, I want you to know Jesus has the answer. Jesus is your counselor. If you let him be, he'll show you everything you need to know. Do you believe that this morning? He'd be counselor. He'd be the mighty God, the prince of peace. Aren't you thankful? When you are, amen, hallelujah. When you are in Christ, when you are in relationship with Him, there's a peace that is unexplainable. In the midst of, of, of trial and testing, you can still have the peace of God. And if today you don't have peace in your life, go to Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. So the announcement of the Messiah was was something to behold. Mary received this news from an angel, uh, it, the angel Gabriel, and it was quite something for her to understand. But I want you to see, she had some questions. I was um, Mary's inquiry. <laughs> so every time that I uh, have a conversation with my wife about something, she she has questions. <laughs> she she asked me, "Did you ask about this? Did you?" Do this, and it's, and I told her like, you know, Mary's not much different from a lot of women today, you know. They, you know, they, I heard it said that men we speak in uh, bold print, right, and women in fine print. It's been it's been proven that women use about twenty to thirty thousand words a day, and men we <laughs> significantly less. <laughs> so, um, so Mary has some questions, you know. She she. They were not rooted in unbelief, though. I want you to see it. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? Now remember, she was betrothed to Joseph. They had not yet come together. She was a virgin. And um, 
This is important. The Bible is very clear because this is something that was prophesied that the, the Messiah would come from a virgin and, and this would be uh, uh, something that is protected, of course, throughout Scripture. And she said, I have not been with a man. It was a very logical question, very legitimate. Unlike Zacharias, who when he asked, he asked in doubt. She asked because she was curious and she had wonder-filled faith. She was like, how is this going to happen? And Gabriel explains. He says, the power of the highest will overshadow you. Now, Gabriel is speaking of the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So we see the Holy Spirit being highlighted here in this story. And he says that the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And what this was like was, this was a picture of of being covered by a cloud, a Shekinah cloud of glory. Like, like Moses when he was on the mount there and God's glory came in the cloud, right? Or when they were, uh, Peter, James, and John were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration and the cloud showed up. So what, what happened to Mary, I don't know if it happened that evening. I don't know exactly the details. We don't get it. But the Holy Spirit in a tangible cloud, I believe, came over her and implanted Jesus in her womb. It was a miracle. No one had ever been born or conceived, excuse me, in, by those means. And this is why uh, this, this man, the Holy One, that would come, would be born. He'd be called the Son of God, is what the Bible says. This is what Gabriel revealed. And so this is a miracle. This immaculate conception of Jesus. And so, uh, Gabriel, he uh, gives this information and then he's, he gives some evidence. Look at verse 36. He says, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now her sixth month for her who was called barren. So what Gabriel does here, he says, Hey, I... I know I just told you this. It's a lot to, to swallow. Let me give you some more proof that you can go and verify on your own. Elizabeth, the one who had been barren her whole life, the one who had, who's now up in her years, she is six months pregnant right now with child. And God did that too. God, who, who once was called barren, he gave seed to her. And so he goes on and he gives this evidence. And then verse 37, he makes this declaration. For with God, nothing will be impossible. If God is saying that it will be done, it will be done. Literally, you can translate this, for no word of God shall be powerless. God will absolutely perform that what he has said. And this is what he is uh, uh, affirming to Mary. Hey, Mary, uh, let me strengthen your faith a little right now. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. That's the God we serve. I serve a God who is who isn't limited by any of my limitations. He is far beyond us in power and capability. And I want to just encourage somebody with that. You, when you pray, you're not just praying to some God who can't do anything. He can do anything. And I want to encourage us with that. So Mary's inquiry, she had a question. It was a very legitimate question. And Gabriel answers it. And he gives evidence to strengthen her faith. 
I want you to see lastly this morning, Mary's response of faith. Look at verse number 38. Then Mary said, Behold the maid servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary's response was that of faith. She said, Be unto me as it was said. Her response was to agree with the word that was sent through Gabriel, and she offered herself as the Lord's maidservant. It was not her position to debate with her master, but rather to accept what he said. Now, this may seem to be a small thing to us today, but we don't truly realize all that it would, uh, would it entail for Mary. Her character, her reputation would be decimated. Here she was pregnant before they were married, before the wedding. I would imagine maybe we don't see a wedding in, in Scripture, right? She, the wedding plans changed. Instead of a, a big party, they were making a, they would end up making a road trip to, to Bethlehem. And she, she'd be, you know, much pregnant, you know, very pregnant or I don't know all the details, but you know, there was a stigma from Mary in the will of God. I want to tell you this. Church, oftentimes, those who are highly favored by God, those who are in the center of the will of God, are ostracized and persecuted by men. The world will hate us. The world won't understand us. The world won't like what we stand for. But sometimes in the will of God, that may be our cross to bear. But Jesus said it this way, if any man come after me, let him take up his cross. That means we should die to the need for man's approval. We should die to our own ambitions. We should die to whatever it is that is uh, trying to tether us to this world and its its way, we ought to be completely yielded as Mary is to the will of God. And I want to encourage us in that. Mary said, be it unto me, according to your word, whatever it is, I, I, I will willingly bear it. You know, and Mary esteemed the honor of God more than the praise of men. And many in our day, we worry about what people will think of us more than what God knows about us. And I want to encourage you with that. To be like Mary. So the announcement, this is part one. We're going to unpack the rest later. The announcement was made of the Messiah that would come. That he would come to a little maiden in Galilee. And God would, of course, be glorified through her. And I pray that God is glorified in our lives. Maybe you're here this morning, and this is all, you know, this is maybe new to you. You haven't quite understood the meaning of, of Christmas and Advent and what is the significance of Jesus coming into the world. Well, as I mentioned before, his name means Savior. He has come. He said it to uh, Zacchaeus. He says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You and I were lost in sin, apart from Christ, in a relationship with Him. 
And this is why Jesus came into the world so that he could live a perfect life and then go to the cross and shed his blood for my sin and for your sin. He rose three days later to prove everything that he had claimed to be true. And right now, he is calling out to all who will believe on him, all who will place his faith, their faith in him, that he would save and give you eternal life this morning. The Bible says this, that he that hath the Son hath life, but he that hath not the Son hath not life. It's that simple. If you're here this morning and you don't have Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to trust on him. If you are a believer this morning, if you have already given your heart to Christ, I want to encourage you. Let's let's be like Joseph. Let's be like Mary. Let's let's be mindful that God is looking at our lives, and either we are bringing Him glory, we are we are favored, of course, because of our love and obedience to Him, or we are not a good testimony for Him. And I want to encourage us to seek to be someone that God could use when He looks down from heaven. 